Hey everybody, it's Pastor Chip. Thanks for tuning in again. So, um, anyway, today, today, uh, how do I start this off? Got a friend, my buddy John, has a friend who. who is trying to keep everybody on the Christian track, pointing out their errors and their ways and telling people what they're doing wrong and that they need to be in church. Got to be in church. Well, I believe in church. But I don't believe not being in church is a is weighing the scale down if you're if you're living close with God and and you're fellowshipping with Christian people and you're raising your family in a Christian environment. Um, I mean, I do believe in churches, but a lot of our churches <laughs> they leave a lot to be desired. Matter of fact, a lot of the problem we're having with the world is what's going on in those churches. Besides, you've heard me talk before about the church. The actual church is the ecclesia, the people. It's not a building. We're the body of Christ. But I, I'm going to be using John... I'm not going to be using too many books. I mean, if you read the Bible and you read anything about Jesus and the apostles and what happened, and, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and dealing with Jesus in different capacities. John also, and Luke, you know, Luke um, was originally Luke and Acts together, and they split it apart, so Acts technically was part of the Gospels, right? Um, the epistles, the letters that Paul wrote, they're more like Supreme Court uh, judgments, amendments to the Constitution, our Bill of Rights, you know, a little modifications and, like I say, Supreme Court law. You know, Paul clarifies things that are questionable that people weren't sure about. Like, you know, we got the freedom of speech, Second Amendment guns, you know, unreasonable search and seizure and things like that. That's, that's what Paul has done with the epistles. He's clarified a lot of things. And, it, and they're, they're, they're not just... You just can't throw them all out there and apply them to everybody because if you don't study the epistles and why they were written and to whom they were written, people use them in the wrong context. You know, I joke, I told them uh, Sunday at church, they were they were saying, um, we're going to go to Philippians. And I was like, yeah, that was written to the people in the Philippines. Well, I used to think that. When I was a kid, I thought Philippians was written to the people in the Philippines but it was written to the people in Philippi. And then Romans, you know, 
written to the people in Rome, right? Corinthians, written to the people in Corinth. Hebrews, written to the Hebrew people in the diaspora who were forced out of Jerusalem, I mean Rome, right? So you see where all these things are? First Peter was written by Peter. Jude was written by Jude, you know? Um, they're little. Thessalonians was written to the people in Thessalonica. But John, now there's a book. John is the book. If you're a new person, a new Christian, and you want to know anything there is to know about Christianity, you need to read John. John is the theology of Christ. It's what Christ is all about. It's what he's, he's come and he's given his message. He's told us how to live. He's given us the example. He's met with people, walked with people. He's done things. This is it. You want to... You want to know what Jesus, you know, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Open John. Read John. Read John. Now, let's go to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, Jesus goes to a pool in Bethesda. Finds a guy who was lame and paralyzed and blind, been out there his whole life, and he needed people to carry him to the water. And I've I've talked about this before. You can go back and find the original podcast. But he heals the man. He's laying there, and Jesus tells him, Rise up, take your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well and took up his bed and walked. And it was on Sunday, and they went crazy. They went crazy because it was Sunday that he worked because he carried his bed. How many people around you tell you that what you're doing is wrong? You shouldn't be doing that on this day, or you shouldn't be doing this, or you shouldn't be doing that. Now let's plug and play. You're the person that's doing something. Working on Sunday? Hey, I'm grateful people work on Sunday. Because if I get hurt and I go to the hospital, they don't say closed, it's Sunday. You know what? If I fall and knock my front teeth out and I call my dentist on Sunday, he says, yeah, I'll come in for you. He'll fix my teeth back, you know? If your house catches on fire or your car breaks down and you call the fire department or a wrecker on Sunday, guess what? They're going to come. They're not going to say, oh, closed on Sunday. If you've got people that say you shouldn't work on Sunday... This is the people that are mad because you worked on the Sabbath. These are the Sadducees and Pharisees in our life. They're the legalistic Christians is what they are. They're the ones that they walk on water when they're talking to you, but they're standing about knee deep in it on the bottom when they're talking, but they don't think you're good enough to see that they're knee-deep in the pool. You see, their feet are wet. They're wet because they really can't walk on water. 
but they're wanting you to think they do. You see, this is the problem with a lot of these Christians today. The other saying is, if you live in glass houses, you shouldn't throw rocks. Well, this is it, right? A lot of people do this. But what does Jesus do? Jesus didn't walk by the guy and say, you know what? I, hey, I'm sorry, bud. It's uh, Sunday. I, I'm going to have to come back later. Sucks to be you. But, you know, if I don't forget you, I'll be back on Monday. He didn't say that. He said, rise up, take your mat. And walk. But what did he say to the guy who he did this for? Afterwards, Jesus found him in a temple and said, You have been, see, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Sin no more. You see, Jesus was saying, stop what you're doing. Don't, don't be sinning. Whatever you're doing, just stop it. We don't need to argue about it. I don't need to call you out on what your sin is. I don't need to rub your nose in it. I don't need to be the discipline police of the church like I talked about yesterday. Just, just don't do it no more. You know, I just don't get it. These people want to go around and tell you what you should or shouldn't be doing. But which one of them have walked on water? Which one of them has done anything to help anybody, a fellow man, who's handed somebody some money, bought them a meal, give them a Bible, give them a ride, shared the love of Christ with them, or said, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry you're going through a bad day. I don't know what it is, but let me pray for you. How many people have done that? Jesus didn't ask anything about the guy. He just said, pick up your bed and walk. Don't do it no more. Don't do it no more. That one not good enough for you? Let's flip over to John chapter 8. This one's even better. I love this one. I really do. This one's more pointed, hypocritical, and plain, outright obvious. You see, this is the woman at the well. Everybody heard about the woman at the well? I'll read it real fast for you. It's now early in the morning he came into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. And then the scribes and the Pharisees brought him to him a woman caught in adultery. Now, first of all, they brought him a woman. That's all it says. Where's the man? Does she have adultery by herself? Because in the Jewish law, both parties are guilty of adultery. But, see, here's the thing that they're not saying. Maybe the man was married. Or maybe the woman was married and the man was a single man, but because she was married, that was adultery. It doesn't say. There's a lot of speculation here. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was called in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, 
testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing in the midst. Now, nobody knows what was written in the sand. But they left from the oldest to the first. I speculated, I wrote a paper on this for seminary, that Jesus wrote from the oldest to the first. He wrote the oldest man's name, maybe a girl's name he had messed around with. He went to the next guy's name, wrote somebody he had messed around with, or a sin he had done, and on down the list in the dirt until everybody had their sins exposed. And then, when Jesus raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. You go and ask somebody have, or tell somebody that you know that they're living in sin, and you fuss at them, you're trying to be the good Christian witness, reminding people of all their sins and rubbing their nose in it. How many dogs have you seen when you rub their nose in it, they like it and they go, they go back to it? Well, it's the same with people. You rub their nose in it, they don't like it. And who represents the hand that rubbed their nose in it? You. If you're rubbing people's noses in it, they're not happy with it. That's really a good way to win people to Christ, right? More importantly, while you're rubbing their nose in it, have you looked in the mirror? Have you ever, ever done anything that you're accusing the other people of? If you haven't, by some miracle that you're a, a mere perfect Christian, which is something that many attain to see. You're in a position to be doing things other than reminding people of their sin. People say you shouldn't live in adultery. Shouldn't kids shouldn't do this and shouldn't do that? That's right. We all know that. They know that. But when you was a teenager, did you ever do anything? You shouldn't drink alcohol. When I was eighteen, that was a legal drinking age, and we rode to the next county because it was not dry. Bible says you shouldn't get divorced, but you know what? As far as I know, I can only control me. I can't control the other person. I can only live the life that I think is pleasing to God. I can't make somebody else live a life that is pleasing to God. 
then again, I look back and I thank God for my divorce. Because were it not for my divorce, I wouldn't have met the love of my life. We all do things wrong. Some are reminded daily. Some are reminded hourly. Some live with the scars and the nightmares. But what did Jesus say? Go and sin no more. You know what? If you did these things as a young person and you grew up, like I told my daughter, you have to find your way like I found my way. If you've grown up and learned the errors of your ways and you've turned out to be a good person, pray for your children. Pray for your friends. Live a life that is pleasing to God and a life that is an example to others. That's what's called being the light of the world. You, you are a witness a light, an example of what others should be. Do you think a lot of people want to come to church when all they hear is nagging from people? Nag, nag, nag. Got to read this Bible, this translation. You got to wear these clothes. You can't wear pants. You got to wear uh, dresses. You can't have long hair. You can't have tattoos. Can't drink a beer. Ah, boy. You know, sounds like the dad blame um, laws that the Hebrews put on people. 613 laws that they couldn't even get it right either. No wonder they didn't want to be following the Jewish religion. You put so many chains and shackles and binders on people, they just, you can't never get ahead. If you know somebody that's doing something that you don't think's right, and you know they went somewhere and you thought maybe they went to the casino or they stayed at a hotel or who knows where, and you come back and you see them, ask them, did they have a good weekend? Did they win any money? Did they have fun? And then maybe a little later, say, hey, if you're not doing anything, maybe this Sunday, how about, you want to come visit my church? That's all you got to say. You don't need to tell them they're doing wrong, and you don't need to rub their nose in it. Nowhere. I've read this Bible several times, two or three, I don't know. Just a couple. You know, went to seminary. I I don't know anywhere. I can't find anywhere that Jesus grabbed anybody by the back of the neck and rubbed their noses in it. Well, I take it back. One time he did make a whip. And threw him out of the temple for turning his father's house into a den of thieves. But that was people that were misleading people again. He whipped the people that were misleading people. He didn't whip the people that were doing this, 
doing the sins. He whipped the people that were misleading them. So if you're misleading people, be careful. Be careful. And this is Pastor Chip. Thank you for tuning in. Be safe. Be a light that people want to see. Don't be a bright spotlight in somebody's eyes that annoys them. Be a pleasant, soft light in the world. This is Pastor Chip. God bless. Be safe.